Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm sharing another past episode from July of 2019, so just about two years ago with Allison Garner and Oshkosh Local. She is a speaker, she is a consultant, and a very positive, uplifting person. We went through the ringer in terms of setting up. Um, We weren't able to get into the studio we recorded, so we walked three blocks downtown Appleton and go to Float Light where they graciously let us use their lobby for the podcast. Allison has a TEDx talk, uh, TEDx Oshkosh, and um, she's a very interesting person, and she's also uh, got a book out. So check that out, and please enjoy our conversation. Four, three. What's up, friends? What's up, friends? We're back. But why not? But why not? Oh, this is a little different. This did not go as planned, but uh, it couldn't happen with a better person because you're, you've been so flexible. So, yeah, exactly. So our space, we didn't um, go through proper procedure to book it, and it was being used. So we ran over to Float Light. Our friend John let us hop on. Um, we have old equipment. For those of you who have seen the But Why Not show, and. Uh, and don't know this show actually started at the cozy corner so we still have our equipment from there so we can make it mobile and and here we are so um next week um or well so first today allison wrote this awesome book called uh think possible and it's really about um kind of getting out of your own way in order to think big and uh outside of the box and allison works with what she describes as visionaries, big idea people, mm-hmm. to um, help them produce the results that they should be or are capable of producing. And uh, so anyway, so next week, Monday, um, it's a little heavier of an episode. We have, uh, there's a big um, movement of people called Lights for Liberty, and it's, it's about the uh, kind of internment camp situation that's going on with the, um, at the Mexican border with ice and stuff like that. Uh, we have Gina for that. Awesome. And then, um, so that'll be interesting. And then the week after that, we have um, 7,000 Apart. That's our first, uh, that's uh, John and Amelie. They're a music artist uh, group, I guess. And they just put out their album. That'll be the first return uh, people that ever come on the show. So that's exciting. And then we're having a local comedian on after that, Jake Shane and uh, we're excited for that as well. So I just wanted to kind of give you guys a preview since we're not normally booked out this far in advance. And um, so yeah, let's get rolling. Griff, everything sounds good? Okay, cool. Um, okay, so now that we're finally here, yeah. What? Uh, so we met two weeks ago, yep. something like that. Mm-hmm. It was... Uh, you spoke at, at a young entrepreneurship meetup, and I really liked what you were talking about with the about energy brother. management. Um, yeah. <laughs> basically, basically the talk was about um, how how do you manage your energy, body, mind, and soul, um, and that was just one third of the talk. But you had mentioned that you kind of got down this path in your forties. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You started as a chemical engineer. Yeah. How how did you transition from being a chemical engineer into um, 
into coaching and going from you know all all numbers and kind of straightforwardness to let's go deep in yeah. the human yeah. aspects of, of life it's you know it's one of those questions I'm not really sure how we started or how I got to this place um, and when I get asked that question I have to go back and, and I think it's it's a lot of little things along the way so there was no like big you know, divorce or um, any like sickness. There was no like major events that um, had me thinking, boy, I think I might be not in the right place and doing the right profession. Um, it kind of started to percolate with me when I got on the school board. So I was an angry parent, and gosh, gosh, they were shutting down schools, and um, there was no strategic plan, um, and they weren't um, calculating the cost. Of what happens once the school is closed? And so then they kept threatening to close more schools. And I mean, from like a citywide level, like the cost of like on people being left behind, like students being left behind. So the idea of the closing of schools is to save money. And so I want to know, okay, so how much? Like, what's the number? Is it millions? Because that's what the deficit is. Really, so if you're going to close down at school, do you get to recoup that three million, or is it a half a million? Is it 10,000? So I did my own, you know, my own numbers, and it came out to a very small number. And so I went to the school board meetings. And I said, okay, so you're going to do this again. And the last time you did this, you lost a bunch of students, you made a bunch of teachers mad, so they left and had to hire new, that's expensive. And everything you lose is like 70 grand pound. And I just kept going back and kept fighting that battle to the point that I Were you on the board at this point? Course, down. I didn't want to like help. I just criticized. <laughs> so um, the president of the board said, "We called him one night and we said, we need to And I said, "Fix I have no interest. I just want you to fix it." So um, he talked me into it, and I ran, and I won in 2011, um, and I've been on the board ever since. So my first year in, I come from the world of engineering in oil. So oil field and oil refining, all man world, very gruff, very straightforward. Um, and I come into this world of education where people are touchy-feely and soft and mushy, and they kept saying, like, this is this is a calling to be a teacher. In my first year on the board, I remember saying to myself and my husband, um, they must tell themselves that. Look <laughs> every day. Like, what a jerk, right? Who says that? But that's really what I believe. So I was like, there's nobody that actually feels that way. And then my second year in, I was like, oh my God, I think they actually are changing. And then I was like, I kind of, that'd be pretty cool. And then my third year, I was like, okay, now I'm jealous and I want that. I want that. I want to change lives. I want to have impact. So do you think it was conversations with, with these teachers or just seeing the kids change or like? It was being part of it. So now I'm on the board and I'm, I get to be a part of changing an entire community. And that felt really awesome. And I wanted more of it. And then I would talk to teachers and what they were doing, and that was amazing. So it just opened me up to, okay, so I'm, you know, I'm calculating pots and pans in an oil refinery out in West Texas. Right. I, why wouldn't I be doing this? And so then that started to really uh, get under my skin. Was there ever, <coughs> was there ever that sensation, but manifested in a different way in the, uh, chem, uh, the engineering world? Was it? Were you always? Yeah. The question is, were you always a uh, Whenever you see something, you're like, I want more if you love it. Like, yes. was that always you? 
and and now that I look back, I think it was, I, I'm not, um, like my IQ is not high, I don't test well, right? Like I'm great at math and science, but I'm not, you know, I'm not an Einstein. And I'm, not, I'm nowhere near as smart as most of the people that were my clients, most people I worked with, most people that I worked for. And I think my success as an engineer was actually because of my people skills. And I now realize that with hindsight. My, one of my secret powers, right, is that I can work with anybody and um, that includes even engineers, right? I can even work with engineers because they're hard to work with. They're a tough right. group. Um, and I think that's why I was successful and because that is my natural talent. What if I could do something with that? Yeah. And where would that land and what would that create? Right. Just to highlight um, how good you are, I guess, at like what was your what was your position when you left the engineering department? Yeah, I think I read it in your yeah. your afterward. So I was vice president. Um, when I joined this consulting firm in it was '99, um, they paid for me to go back to school, get my MBA, and then I was being you know groomed to take over as president. Um, <laughs> whoops, right? Sorry. <laughs> um, so all along, I had that had always just been the thing. I would take over. Cool. Be the president. And yeah, that, I mean, that goes to show, like, and that's what they always say is, like, technical skill will get you so far, especially in those, in the, the hard-nosed math and yeah, science, right. engineering, mm -hmm. and then people skills is what mm -hmm. allows you to traverse higher. Yes, yes. I mean, the the research that I've, I've read is your emotional intelligence, right, your EQ, mm -hmm. is twice as important as technical skills and IQ. Was it hard to leave the engineering room? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I left well, so um, they they were beautiful to me, and th it was I always say like they were a bunch of old disgruntled guys, and then they, so I was the only young person, the only female that they'd ever hired, um, and they they got it when I told them and I shared why I was doing what I was doing. They were awesome, and they wished me well, and they've you know so that was that was nice. I got to leave that way. Um, the scarier part was um, there's no security now. Because you know you get right. salary and bennies, yep. and it, and the business just it, it we did very well, and so there was no schlepping around and trying to you know create clients or anything like we were the experts in that industry in the world, so everybody knew us and they called us when they needed us, and so we had no wow. pamphlet, we had no website, yeah. you know I think I created one in MBA school in 2006 because we didn't need it. Right. People just knew. Was us. Side of Wisconsin? Um, the, originally out of Chicago, oh, okay. but then the owner moved oh, to Wisconsin. Okay. So cool. Yeah. Um, where are you from? Just I grew up in Chicago. Oh, okay. Cool. Uh, I think it said you moved to Wisconsin in like 2001. Or yeah, my husband and I moved here when I joined that company. I was at okay. that point, I had, I was in the oil field, so I had lived all over Colorado, Louisiana, California. I was headed to Calgary, and I was like, done. Yeah. Cool. So. What was it like? So now you're in coaching, like yeah. you coach high-level executives, yeah. visionaries. Yeah. What What was your first client like? Like how did that come about? Because I know I'm sure it wasn't easy. Like it's a transition, right? Right. And um, so in coaching, I, I went back and I got um, certified. So I went through the coaching program, which is the fundamentals. And so your first client is actually one of your peers in the program. First client. I think it was a friend of my sister's. 
and she was having issues with her marriage. And I remember um, having a session with her and then saying, like, well, this is how much it is. And she said, okay. And I was like, <laughs> right, I'm gonna get paid. And uh, that was it, right? So from there, I started to just bump around, like not knowing where I belong and not knowing who my people were. Until, until, until I. Um, so there was a, a guy named Rich Whitman, and he wrote the book called The Philosopher's Coach. And it came highly recommended from other coaches in my training program, so I read the book. And it was like, it was all the answers. So I was like, I want to know this guy. So I looked him up, and one of my goals was like, I'm going to have another work with him, or what does he have, or can I be um, And so six months after, I quit my engineering firm, and you know, for my sign out, just trying to the go bit. Um, I had contacted him, we had a program for six months for the coaches of how to build your business. And um, I had an interview, and they wouldn't let me. Oh, man. Was that phone interview? Yeah, yeah, I wasn't ready, and that was like, wow. So he kind of shared with me some things that I could do to, to be ready. So I did all of it, everything. What were they? Um, I had to go out and collect 10 no's. He's like, so what are you doing? Like, are you running a mastermind? Are you doing a talk? Are you trying to get clients? Are you trying to do, like, group coaching? What are you trying to do? And I didn't know, and he's like, okay. And then he's like, so go out and get 10 no's. I'm gonna call you back on Friday. And you got ten notes, and we'll talk. So I did, and I was—I just went and asked everybody I could think of, like, "Hey, would you, you know, want to have a conversation and talk about?" And I did. I racked them up pretty fast. Like I got them really. I was really no, good at easy, getting no. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. that helped me to kind of get over that stumbling block. And then uh, eventually, I did get into his program, and then I worked with him for six months. And that I five times my revenues wow. in those six months. Yeah. I went from like making nothing to like, oh my gosh, now I'm back. At least where I was when I left. So it, it changed everything for me. Yeah, so did he help you really? So he obviously helped you focus in on who you are and what you want to do, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, to you, what is that and how how did you find it is what I'm most curious about. Like, yeah. Or, so it took you about six months. Six months to get to a place where I'm finally, now I've got a model that I'm making money. I'm actually bringing in revenue. Because okay. there was a while there I was like, uh, Right. dollars isn't going to fly. It's not right. making money. So, um, but in that, so now you're bringing in five times the amount of clients, or five or, times the revenues. Oh, so five it was more so. Revenues. So it was more so just bringing the business together. Yes. Okay. Yep. Figuring gotcha. out how do you enroll clients mm -hmm. into high commitment, high investment, high return coaching? How mm -hmm. do you do that? Mm -hmm. So then, just because. So did the certification take over at that point and your understanding of like, okay, now how do I deliver? Was that scary or was it? Yeah, the certification was just the fundamentals. Okay. So it's like if someone takes you out on the tennis court and teaches you how like front, backhand and overhand serve and then they're like, okay, good luck. Mm -hmm. So that's what I, I kind of had a racket in a ball, mm -hmm. but I wasn't really masterful yet. Mm -hmm. When I worked with Rich, I became masterful at my coaching. Mm -hmm. So not only do we dig into my, you know, my blind spots, but just by being with him and witnessing him coaching me and witnessing him coaching others in my group, I got really good at coaching. And then uh, after that six month engagement, I joined his mastermind, which is limited to 30 people from all over the world. And we meet somewhere every quarter. And then we coach, he coached us, you know, by video, I think it was once a month. And that, that's a year long program. Okay. And then that took my coaching like, way to okay. different levels that I didn't even know, know was possible. Cool. So 
Um, he talked you into writing the book, yeah. right? Or that, that's one actually, way of putting it. Yeah, it, yes. So I don't even remember how it started, but I, I said something like, you know, he said, you know how, there was a guy in your group, you know how um, Adam says he coaches the smartest person in the room? I was like, yeah, I love that. And he's like, who are your people? And I was like, I coach the guy or the gal that says it doesn't have to be that way. And he was like, that's a great title for a book. I was like, oh my God, that would be so cool mm -hmm. to write a book. And he's like, well, what would you write? And so we kind of played in that space a little bit and he wrote it all down. Yeah. And then when we were done, he put it in our closed Facebook group. He made a book cover, a fake book cover mm -hmm. with my title. And I wanted, he's like, who, if anybody gave you a recommendation, who would it be? I said, Oprah, come on, <laughs> who's gonna ask that question? Yeah. So we had like a fake quote by Oprah and then my name at the bottom mm -hmm. and just seeing it, yeah, I had to have it. Yeah, he made it so visible and so like just like the juicy. Community. Like I wanted it so bad. Right, that's awesome. Yeah, just like the community impact of the school board, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I had to have it. Yeah, I'm gonna go get it now. Um, so what what are the core tenets of of the book? Like, what do you believe allows allows the visionary to yeah. accomplish? Well. The big thing that you said was just to get out of your own way. That's true of all of us, right? And visionaries are no different. Um, the big thing with visionaries that I love is that they do, they live in the space where it's so fun to be around them because they come up with these really cool ideas. And you can like live in this fantasy world with them. You're like, oh my God, wouldn't that be cool? So it's fun to be around them and there's a lot of energy there. Um, the big problem that a lot of visionaries have, in my opinion, is they don't know um, who to partner with, right? So like big visionaries can't get a lot done because they're, they're out there in the, you know, in the ethos where they're just doing their thing. And if they can't, if they don't have somebody in their life that brings them back down to earth, like, okay, but and we have to make the bills, we have to open the doors on time and all of that. If they don't have that person in their life, um, they're gonna struggle a lot. So the flip side of that is if you get somebody who's really detailed and really good, at getting things done, at executing things, the big idea person burns that person out and the detail person will burn the visionary out. And so it's like this, it's this delicate dance of like you find that person and you have to be careful not to like overwhelm them and for them to not overwhelm you. So I think that's that's part of the magic and the secret sauce of like when you put a visionary with, a really, with the right kind of detail person, like mm -hmm. they're unstoppable. Um, and a lot of visionaries, most people can't follow them like with John tonight, right? Like he's, he says he has ADD or ADHD and, and that's, it is a typical like visionary thing where they're like bing, blong, bloom and pew, pew, they can't, nobody can follow them even though they want to. And so helping them to create a pathway for people to like, if all these people came with you. Right, I went through the woods, like we should check it out and then you're like, <laughs> you're trying to like find the path back through or like you run right to it and you turn around and everyone's lost and like. Right, Yeah, right. stuck in a tree yeah. or 10 miles back. Right. Like, oh, maybe and I should make a path. Yeah. Exactly, and then the other thing is also like, there's a, just a little bit of discipline. If they, we can build a little bit of discipline into what they're already doing mm -hmm. and some accountability, boom. Now, like you've just unlocked them. Mm -hmm. So how do you, so I know that's, that's a big part of a lot of what you talked about. And, um, I read the first few chapters and when I was going through the others, yeah. um, 
there was that was a big theme was people getting the right people in your life mm-hmm. and I like that you started with the five and I, I've been saying this so much lately and part of it's because I think um, well Gary V talks about mm-hmm. it and then I just remember hearing it like that rule of five the five people you spend yep. the most time yep. with yep. Um, on average that ends up being like you reflect those five people basically yep. um, and I like that you started the book with that because it it puts up front like you you almost can't ever you can't ever surpass the people around you like you need them to help yeah in a way there's something, something about, about it I think there's something about humans I don't I think that the rule of five is like like the number pi right like mm-hmm. it's all we're doing is like trying to figure out humans so we're right. trying to understand human Ourselves. nature there's something about humans great work and um, are really inspirational and are super visionary, suddenly they start to be that way. Mm-hmm. I have two teenagers. And I can tell you that they are different people depending on who they spend their time with. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just a human thing. Definitely. How do you recommend... So did you change your circle Oh yeah. through this process? Yes. Um, yeah, big time. How did you go about that? Like what? Oh, man. That was a lot of... How uh, long did it take, I guess? You know, the whole process of becoming a coach meant that I had to be coached a lot. Um, And so that's like the the dirty little secret is like the the more I develop and the more I grow and the more I get coached, the better I am Mm -hmm. at coaching others. So in the very beginning, it was a lot of the work that I did, that a lot of the the struggles and the challenges I had were being caused by the people I chose to be around. And, uh, and some of those people were family mm-hmm. and, and um, trying to figure out like, so what do I do about it? Mm-hmm. This person is a family member of mine and yet they're sucking lifeblood out of me <laughs> and that's not good for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not a better version and I'm not, I'm not serving them and they're not serving me and so what are we doing? Mm-hmm. And what do I do about it? Is it like black and white? So you either, you either are like in a relationship or you're not in a relationship or is there like something in the middle? Um, so I'm learning, I'm still learning how to do that, but I, gosh, I would say within a year, I completely flipped into a totally new group of people, um, and a very specific type of person that fits the, like the kind of person that I would love to be. Um, That's cool. I like to say that I, I like to hang out with people who inspire me and intimidate me. I'm a little bit like intimidated by them. And when I ask them, they're a little intimidated by me and that's, that those are the kind of people I want to be around. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, would you say your five now? How many of your five is family, and how many is this new people that inspire you? Um, because I feel like family always falls into yeah. a lot of people. I mean, I'm married and I have two kids, so they are obviously part of my tribe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, so it would be maybe three and two. Okay. Um. And yet I have a tribe now that um, it's really bigger. It's like 10 or 12 of mm-hmm. us that are really into this kind of, of living this way um, and continually digging into our own stuff and getting better, getting better and all of that. Um, are those mostly coaches in similar situations or are those just people locally that are close enough to you to... You know, this is funny. Um, it's the people that I work out with at the Y. Really? At 5 a.m. Really? I don't know why. 
but they are like there's like a certain kind of person that yeah. goes to the Y at five and works out really hard and pushes and challenges and and they're yeah. like upbeat and they're doing great things and they're running super successful businesses and yeah. those are my people. That's really cool. Yeah. Were were they like do you feel like you just kinda like put your hitch on the the wagon or do you feel like um you helped that group like oh culminate into something that was yeah I, I walked into it okay I didn't know that about them and I didn't even appreciate that about them until I think it was my workout partner was like these people are really they're really critical to my life and I was like yeah <laughs> they are you know yeah. and then I started to really think about it and then we all kind of were going through things and the more I shared the more they shared I shared that with you at Young Entrepreneurs mm -hmm. and um, I had some really significant life changes in my family and being able to like share that with a group of people that I don't know all that well mm -hmm. and have them support me was Powerful. amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. What, uh, um, I wrote some notes. I just want to, sure. so you had talked about the ego versus the actual self. Yeah. Um, how, like, what do you think? <laughs> What do you think is the best way to see through to that? It's for me, I have to like, I use data, right? I'm always looking for flat flags or signs or right. and taking in everything is like another data point. So the way I think about ego is um, when I start to blame or the way I really think about it is like when I take the mirror and I turn it away from me, that's ego. Mm -hmm. So when I flip somebody off on the highway, that's ego, right? Mm -hmm. And then when I have to justify it because they cut me off and almost killed me, right? Not really. Um, when I had to justify my own behavior, that's a pretty good sign that I'm in my ego. Um, when I'm when I'm feeling as though like somebody's making me a certain way, that's my ego. When I'm blaming, that's my ego. So anytime I'm doing the things I have to justify, mm -hmm. well, I yelled because you, right? right. Uh oh, that's ego. So. Yeah. I know it really well now when I'm in it because I'm really aware of it. Yeah. And then the next step is like, okay, so now what do you do about it? Mm -hmm. So you, it seems like, I feel like I, like my questions are trying to address like a broader audience mm -hmm. and really what your work is all done with people who, if they don't have an understanding of it, like they can probably come to one, you would hope. I mean, I guess there's probably some execs out there that are pretty, but they have a strong ego, right. right? And they won't, they wouldn't be attracted to you either. Mm -mm. You would, so, no, um, what I'm trying to get at is, who do you feel like you wrote the book for? Um, Think possible. Yeah, it, it's for the visionaries. It's for the folks that have those big ideas. Mm -hmm. um, and it's for those people that are hungry to dig into their own stuff, mm -hmm. to like constantly uncover. We're really good, especially in our country, of like treating symptoms. And I don't want to treat symptoms. I want to get to the root of what it is. And I love doing that. That's the analytical side of me. And I, people that are hungry to do that, to like recognize, okay, I've been successful, I've been successful, I've been successful. And sometimes, to get to the next layer of success means everything you've done from here to here doesn't work to get mm -hmm. from here to here. Mm -hmm. So those people that are like here and all the stuff that they've done has worked until now and now it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And they're like, why 
I'm working harder than I've ever worked and I, you know, I've always been successful this way and now it's not working. Like that's what that's for. Cool. Because I hit the thing. Yep. And now it means I've got to do something different. And nobody right. wants to do anything different. I think, have you ever heard of the Peter Principle? Yes. I think yeah. that there's multi, like mm-hmm. infinite levels of that, right? Yep. Of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you get my business. What? Yeah, it's just disconnected. And we're back together. Oh, <laughs> sorry. That's okay. Um, but yeah, that's like that's where I feel like I'm at with Venture Wisconsin and um, knowing that like that's cool because I think I think like the audience at that young entrepreneurship mm-hmm. meetup was like probably perfect for like yeah. who you can help with that. It seems like the people who want want something more. Isn't that what, what you said? Yeah. S- something who wants something more, or uh, or why does it have to be this way? Yeah. Right. That yeah. was my working title. Right. It doesn't have to be that way. Those right. are the people that are walking around the world going, it doesn't have to be this way. Right. So when I heard the the title of this, the but why not? Yeah. But why I not? was like, oh, yeah. kindred spirit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For Love sure. That. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had an experience um, that basically started the whole the whole venture Wisconsin idea which is a micro form of like a greater idea I had in college but yeah the question it really just kept coming down to like but why not but why does it have to be this way right and uh weirdly enough um and I don't know if this relates to you at all but in college that question first was like it led me down this like like a conspiracy theory password like uh path (laughs) yeah just like uh but like that's like the reflection of yourself. You're always looking like, and that I mean it was earlier, mm-hmm. but you just look. So many people look at what's wrong, and like what's stopping every, like what's stopping me, like um, a family member of my fiance, like very gets very downtrodden about conspiracies. Like I can't, I can't, like I'm always gonna be on the bottom anyway, and it's like. Mm-hmm yeah why like but why not like you gotta you gotta find that path forward and hopefully um yeah i hope people can find this and find use out of it it's a matter of like digging into how does that serve him that's Mm -hmm. my favorite question when someone like that says something like that how is that serving you Mm -hmm. well it's not yeah well i'll never make it because you know i'm not a trust funder Mm -hmm. how's that thought serving you Mm mm-hmm and then they'll say it's not. And you're like, okay, so let's just pretend like everything that we do serves us in some way. Mm-hmm. Let's just pretend. Yeah. So if that were true, how is it serving you? And it's not. <laughs> well, it is because there's a lot of ways that a, that a statement like that serves. Oh, you mean, I mean almost like almost like uh, releasing responsibility or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and if you can get to that conclusion, you can very quickly be like, okay, okay. maybe I should add responsibility or something. Well, and if you don't like, and then that's scary too, mm-hmm. because if you go out on a limb and you fail, that's scary. Or if you try something and you can't do it, that's scary. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, fear. We're really good at keeping ourselves safe. Yeah, and we're supposed to. That's why we're still on this planet, right? Right. Yeah. Insulation. Um, how do you like? How does this? affect your parenting I'm sure like yeah I should have brought my kids do you approach it the same way as like or like I wish I could say I oh gosh so I think I'm a better parent because I'm better at knowing what's going on inside of me so when I first had kids I was a lunatic 
and I screamed a lot and there was just a lot of like erratic I was always getting like hijacked all the time mm -hmm. and I was trying to do all the things and so I just had constant pressure and I didn't have a release at all mm -hmm. so as I got smarter and as they got older and I started to learn and then we talked about therapy mm -hmm. <laughs> I looked at the whole audience and I was like you know like a half moon hands to the surface <laughs> or hands to the sky and they're like huh I'm like nobody in here is in therapy what are you talking about <laughs> yeah. so that helped right to mm -hmm. learn how to just uh, figure out what's going on inside of me and now um, it's oh it's really a it's hard for me to know if what I'm doing is right because what I do with my clients is I help them to find their own answer mm -hmm. and they're adults mm -hmm. but I got a 16 and 15 year old so if I sit down with my 16 year old and I'm like so you don't have a job which means you can't drive a car and so I'm just trying to figure out like are is that okay with you you know and he's like yeah yeah, I guess that's fine. And like the inside of me is like, oh my God, he's going to live in a van down by the river. Like he's never, he's right. never going to make it. You're more connected to. It's, I'm too close. To the, yeah, exactly. To so, the outcomes, right? Very much. <laughs> Where like if a, if an executive was like, I'd be happy cutting back my hours or something. You'd be like, there you go. <laughs> what a great answer for yeah, you. Right? Yeah, right. Has no bearing on my life. But right. now this one does. Okay. So yeah, it's, it's hard. I, we're very transparent in my family. Um, and so I think that's helped a lot. And we have the one thing that I am really good at is creating a really deep relationship with lots of people. And so my kids and my husband and I all have like a really, really intimate connection with each other. Mm -hmm. So that's the one thing that coaching has really given to me is just a way to really master that building of relationship and then cultivating it all the time. Cool. So, so I'm going <clears> to, <throat> I'm going to try and, and dig deeper there. Like, so to a degree, when your kid says something that upsets you, or it doesn't upset you, but like worries you, sure. right? It brings up fear. Sure. It's potential, like, I'm not gonna call it ego, but like potentially you're like. Oh, it's ego. Yeah, like you're reflecting things on, yeah. you know, yeah. your your fears on, on their future. Mm -hmm. um, do you think, sorry, I'm trying to. Get your question in there. Yeah. Just right. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I guess I lost my train of thought. I hate that. I know. Basically, I was going to... I'm trying to find a connection. Okay. Between the parenting and the, like... I don't know. I'm trying to bring bring people value at home. I'll, I'll just move on to a different question. Okay. We can come back to it if you think of it. Yeah, we will. So the, the energy management, that was like a big piece of, of what you talked about. Mm -hmm. Can you kind of just explain that? Because I think that's sure. that's a powerful thing. That's just yep. people can take home. And I think that's why you chose to talk about yes. it at, that, at the meeting. People really like it. Right. Um, time versus energy, mm -hmm. right? Time management. It drives me a little bit crazy, not a lot crazy, but a little bit crazy when people are like, I want balance. And I'm like, okay, so what does that mean? And I think what they want and what I hear is like, I don't want to feel guilty that I'm not at home when I'm at work. And I don't want to feel guilty that I'm at work when I'm not at home. Did I say that right? You want, you know what I mean? Yeah, you don't want to feel guilty about any of your actions, really. Right. And so like, um, and I, I think that balance is like this thing that I'm not sure that's really what we want. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe we do. I, I'm not, I haven't bought yeah, it yet. Well, yeah, I think... I think balance is really impossible because it's up to the individual, and like we want to we want to create balance into this textbook thing that can be like right it's that can be drawn out. Steps. It's like 
oh yeah you get okay 60 hours at work um seven hours of sleep and like it's a spreadsheet cool yeah exactly we want to make it into an equation and at the end of the day it's not right and so so then the next common symptom that we want to treat is time it's time management because we get 24 hours Mm -hmm. in a day and then there's seven days in a week Mm -hmm. and then that doesn't work because it's like this, it's almost as though because time is limited and fixed, mm-hmm. like our brains are like, oh, there's not enough of it, right? And we go into like the scarcity, <laughs> so we're trying to like get as much time as I can all the time. Right. I want to like, and then I want to bank the time, and if I spend the time here, and it's like this like terrible, mm, what's the right word? It's like, like squeezed or something. Yeah, like. and nobody feels good about time. Mm-hmm. And so... And the point is, is that you're not going to be able to balance that, right? I don't know, maybe, but it's yeah. still a totally limiting thing. Right. Because you only get 24 hours in a day, darn it. Mm-hmm. You don't get any more. Mm-hmm. Energy, on the other hand, is something that, like, I have a conversation. My mother-in-law probably won't watch this show, right? <laughs> if you share it, she probably will. <laughs> uh, if I have a conversation about religion, I think she would buy into that one. I am like, I'm down. I'm done. I don't want to talk anymore. And I feel terrible, right? Mm-hmm. It sucks the energy out of me. Mm-hmm. And then you put me in a room full of puppies and I'm good to go. Mm-hmm. Like all the, I'm done. Like I'm, I've got my energy back up and it's awesome. And so energy isn't a limited thing. There's enough of it, you know, within reason. I still have to sleep and eat and mm-hmm. fuel my body and all mm-hmm. that. But for the most part, I can have a really terrible day and have something wonderful happen and like my energy comes back. And I now am intentional about that so I know how to do that so I don't have these huge dips and. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so, but you went through this whole, yeah. this whole process of breaking down that the energy audit. management. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I stole it from the energy project, okay. which is online. Mm-hmm. Um, very smart, like super easy audit and breaks it down into the four categories. How often do you look over that? Um, I, this potential client I was talking about, uh, this morning, she, I just had shared it with her mm-hmm. and she, She's very studious. Mm-hmm. She brought it today. Oh, cool. And she's like, I scored a nine. Wow. You know, and that, I'm like, that. That's awesome. Well, it's not awesome because it's like, she's. Where do you improve? Yeah. Like, she was um, really out of whack on all. Like, she's just wasting a lot of her energy mm-hmm. on things. And then her body, her body was the worst. Like, oh. she was a yes to all the body questions, which is like, means that she's not taking care of herself. She's not sleeping. She's not eating. Mm-hmm. She's not doing anything that's good and rejuvenating to the body. Right. And then she's emotionally, there's a lot of drama in the toxic environment. So it's just a total emotional drain. Mm-hmm. So physical and emotional. And then obviously the spiritual part, she's like, I don't, I don't find purpose here because all I'm doing is getting triggered by all the things because people right. are treating each other badly. And so it's like this vicious cycle. So, um, I use it, I, I'm now cognizant of it in my life, mm-hmm. so I, it's always present for me, um, and I use it a lot with my clients. It's always a part of the, the work nice. that I do with them. What, uh, so energyproject.com or something, or .org? Or, I think it's a .org. Or just Google it. Just Google, just Google the it. Energy Project, <laughs> yeah. and then you'll see. I think that's worth checking out. It's, it's basically- It's a great website. It's breaking down mind, body, and soul, or mind, body, spirit, whatever mind, you want to call it, right? It was mental, emotional, oh. spiritual, and physical. Oh, there's four, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And they broke down. It was four questions each. And if you said yes to any of the questions, it meant that you had an energy deficit. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm, I like. How did you do? Do you remember? Um, I was in the average, like okay. the moderate. Okay. Um, mostly, I think mind, 
Okay. And emotion was like the biggest deficit. Okay. And it's just focus. It's that that pew, 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 the yeah, easily entrepreneur distracted. easily distracted. Exactly. I'm trying to do mm-hmm. 18 different projects, and mm-hmm. I, yeah. <laughs> um, and also, um, and I want to give people some context too to what we're talking about. So, like, also the, another thing that was interesting in the book was the score of the five people. Yeah. And I'm coming back to this because I think. Um, it's super important. Like to me, I just think, and I'm, I'm actually, I feel like I'm in the middle of it, mm-hmm. which is, uh, the five people you surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. It's, um, essentially either How do you, how do you empower those people to like come on your journey with you? Or how do you start to find essentially, it's not that you have to cut anyone out. Right. It's just that you have to get to the point where the five people you rely on and have the deepest relationships with are, um, people that where you're so like mutually beneficial where you guys are serving each other and keeping each other accountable and um not dragging you down because i think a lot of people run into situations where someone's dragging them down in their life and they don't understand what why like it's like it sucks them in and they can't even so um interestingly enough i was talking to somebody um she is going through a battle with her ex-husband and they're in court and there's kids involved and so they have this um, email, like they have to use a special email system so that the courts can see their email mm-hmm. so it's all like you can track everything. Mm-hmm. And she showed what, she's like, well look what he wrote and look what I wrote. And I looked at that and I was like, that's really interesting. So you like to play tug of war. And she's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, he's like running in front of you and like dangling a tug of war rope in your face. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay. And you <laughs> grab play. it, right? And she didn't, she's like, what do you mean? Right. Now, if I had done it, she could see it immediately, but she couldn't see it when she was doing it. Right. So, yeah. That's so, so weird. Do you think that's what, like, where does a blind spot come from? Why do we have blind spots? Do you think why it is? Why do we have blind spots? What do you think? Um, do you think it is? Do you think it's ego? Do you think it's protection? Like, what? Like, why do we have so many blind spots on ourselves? It's almost, I don't know why. Um, one theory is like, we start to get these patterns in our, like the way that we do stuff because it works. So like there's 293 ways to make a dollar. Okay. Oh like yeah, with change, different pennies, types of change. Yeah, pennies, yeah, yeah. dimes, whatever. So we find one out of about 293 ways four quarters and that's what we do over and over and over again which means now the 292 other ways are now just blind spots for us because we just don't do them Mm -hmm. we don't think about them because we have the way that works until it doesn't work anymore yeah and then we're like oh crap right part of it and part of it's probably ego and part of it is like trauma from childhood who knows Mm -hmm. yeah that's just a symptom or a systems thing i guess it's just like the path of least resistance kind of a thing yeah yeah that makes sense your brain is really efficient so it will always, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a great thing and it always will find the easiest way. Mm-hmm. So if you've now built that pathway with lots and lots of repetition, have you ever seen the backwards bike video? No. The guy that runs the, um, uh, they gear up, they t- take a double gear to the handlebars. So when he turns the handlebars left, the wheel goes right. <laughs> and uh, okay. so he's like, all right, I'm gonna figure out how to ride this thing. Yeah. It takes him eight months to figure out how to ride this bike because he has he's in his 30s I would imagine <laughs> it takes him 30 whatever years that he's got that he's ridden a regular bike when you turn the handlebars this way the wheel goes this way right so 8 years. months 
eight months to eight steer months the Titanic. To unlearn <laughs> to get out of that pathway and build and forge a new one. Wow. And then he does that for like a year. He rides the backwards bike, he takes it around the country and talks about it. That's cool. He's in Amsterdam and he just happens to be on video and he's like, I wonder how long it would take me to go back to the regular bike. Mm-hmm. How long do you think it would take him? Instant. 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. So like the path is so easy. Yeah. our brains, like it's efficient. Right. You don't want to waste energy finding something new. That's fascinating. Yeah. I think, uh, Sorry, I lost my train of thought again. <laughs> that is cool, though. Oh, yeah, I, just, I really think, like, if people heard more of that, yeah. like, if there's one place you could go to just see how long it took, like, just, like, a conglomeration of, like, how long it took a really successful person to get out of a bad habit or something like that. And it's just, like, you hear Elon Musk, like, oh, when I was 13, I got... Well, Elon Musk's a little different. When I was 13, I got out of this bad thing. Or you yeah. hear um, maybe Richard Branson or something, like, mm-hmm. oh, well, I had this thing. I just think people don't have a... Pers- like, I don't have a great time perspective either, but it's, like, we all need to be more patient about... We, well, first, I think the first step is like acceptance. So you got to see, like, you got to see the tug of war that you yeah. referenced. Once you see it, then you're like, okay, I, mean, I have a problem. Once you can accept that, then you need the patience the, and the perspective mm-hmm. to like continue on the path. And like, well, it's interesting for me, like, because I just approach things, like, I do approach things so intensely. Like, I'm like, oh, like, I should be here, or I'm going to be here in a month, and then you're not. But as long, I think as long as you keep the perspective of like, oh, I'm still going to be doing the same thing tomorrow, you're fine. But the key is not getting burnt out and surrounded. And in like, as you're going down that path, like as you're taking things day by day, you got to be like, okay, also I need to, I need to start making some moves, you know? The reason I think that coaching is the best leadership tool, hands down, there is nothing better in my opinion. Mm-hmm. The reason is because coaches interrupt your thinking. That's all we do. Mm-hmm. You can't interrupt your own thought patterns. I mean, maybe, kind of. But in general, you can't. You can't tickle yourself. You can't interrupt your own thought patterns. You can't see your own blind spots. Mm-hmm. So having somebody that is really masterful at that listen to you and you're like, boom, this is my story. This is my pathway. This is the way I always go. Yeah. And someone's like, oh, hey, <laughs> you know, come on back for a second. Pause. I want to hear more about that. Yeah, it's like I'd you love keep to challenge that idea. You're on like a hamster wheel that has a fork, and you just keep going straight, and right. you come past the fork, and it's like stop. Think about it. For you a see second. that that fork, right? Right. <laughs> that's cool. And that's why, when I work with visionaries and I work with people that have massive success, my first job is to like interrupt them, interrupt that thought over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they have to do it themselves, or they have to figure out a way to like force their way through it. And so the way that I've orchestrated that work is the first thing we decide is like, what is the big juicy thing that you want so bad mm-hmm. that you're willing to commit everything to go get it? Right. Because the why kind of thing. And it has to be big. Mm-hmm. Like if someone were to come to me and, and I don't do weight loss stuff, but let's, it's easy to talk about. Someone says, I want to lose 10 pounds. It's like, okay, great. I can give you a meal plan. I can give you a workout plan. I can tell you all the things. I can give you all the answers. Mm-hmm. Or let's talk about like what will happen when you lose 10 pounds. And usually it's not about the weight, right? It's usually about the thing that they're trying to get. Right. Happiness so. or like being more, 
whatever it is, right? It can be yeah, anything. A thousand things. Right. But figure out what it is that, that lights them on fire and what brings them to tears. Then go do that go do that because we can only white knuckle things so long. Yeah. To truly commit means you keep going. Yeah. You go through it. There's no way around. You go through. What do you usually find that your successful clients are chasing? When um, you when you dig back everything and whew. is there a theme? Yes. Um, my people are usually chasing impact. They want to leave this world, not just their company, not just their family. They want to leave this world better mm-hmm. than how they found it. Mm-hmm. And and in many ways, they're doing that. And that's what's so exciting working with them, too. You get to like be a part of that. Mm-hmm. You get to witness that. Um, but impact is huge for all of my clients. That's and they cool. say that a lot. Like That comes up. Yeah, that's like the ultimate goal is to hopefully, or the most virtuous goal, I guess. It's like give back more than than you took. Right. Definitely. Um, I had a question about, um, are, have most of the clients worked with coaches before? Like, because like I, my thought is like, hmm, you have all these like high achieving people, mm-hmm. how... Is it that you were able to talk to them and be like, get them to see like how you can help them do more or did, or were they just happened to be in the market at the time that you were becoming a coach? Um, I don't think any of my people had worked with a coach formally before, maybe two or three. I'm trying to think how many clients I've had. Um, so probably a few, but n- most not. I've mm-hmm. never, they don't know what it is. They never worked with one. Um, all they know is Tony Robbins, right? Mm-hmm. And that's basically it. Um, the way that I enroll people is I serve and I serve and I serve. Mm-hmm. So um, if somebody is interested in hearing more or if, if it's somebody that I'd really love to work with, mm-hmm. there's some way that I can serve them, you know, then I do that. So let's say it starts with a cup of coffee. I'd love to hear more about what you do. Great, let's have coffee. Mm-hmm. And I have coffee and I serve. And I just serve them powerfully and they, however I possibly can mm-hmm. in that moment. And usually someone will say, well, wow, like, wh- what's it like to work with you? And then you're like, let's have coffee again. Mm-hmm. So we have a second conversation. And then we talk about that. And maybe I say, you know, if you're open to coaching, would you like to try that? You know, mm-hmm. let's, I'll set the container and, and I'll, we'll just do the thing. Cool. We'll take a test ride. Mm-hmm. And then usually there's a third conversation after that, that if they liked that experience and they were like, I can't even imagine if I had these kinds of conversations on a regular basis, what would Mm -hmm. be possible? Mm -hmm. Then we have the create conversation. That's where we do that vision thing where I'm like, okay, what do you want? Cool. So, um, when you say serve, basically you're saying, um, insight, just offering as much insight as possible. Not always. Or just listening if that's what it needs or, you know, sometimes it's, it's just a matter of, um, putting them in touch with somebody that I know, like, the guy at, at Young Entrepreneurs that was trying to start his own fragrance business. Mm-hmm. I happen to know a chemical engineer who left, wow. um, uh, I can't remember the company, maybe it was Johnson Johnson, Glade, whoever does Glade. I think it is. And he went into neuroscience and that's like, that's the work that he does now and he's crazy about the brain and just like these two guys would connect. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if I'm ever gonna hear from that guy again. Yeah. I don't know. That's it awesome. It doesn't matter because now that I, now that I serve all the time, mm-hmm. like, and that's where, like, that's where my clients come from now. Mm-hmm. And if I serve that guy, then that guy might tell ten people, and then that might come back, and 
That's awesome. Yeah. That's a cool place to be. Yeah. Yep. Especially when it is sustainable. Cause like you're in a place in your life where you're like, you're good. Things are rolling. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Needy, really, needy is creepy. Yeah. So. Yeah. The goal is to, to give and not need. Right. And then you can just ask, yeah. you know, it's always just an invitation, right? No attachment. Definitely. Can, can you tell me about, uh, about the retreats that you do? What, yeah, like how, the intensives. What does that look like? The two days. What do you call them first? I though? call them, um, so I had to come up with a name mm -hmm. and it was from the book and it was about leadership, right? And I like alliteration, so I called it Limitless Leadership because mm -hmm. it starts with L. Mm -hmm. I don't love the name, okay. just between us girls here. <laughs> but that's the name. And um, so then uh, the, the coach that I worked with, Rich Litvin, had these events called Intensives. And so I stole his name and I mashed it with my mediocre name and put it all together. So now they're called Limitless Leadership Intensives. Okay. And um, Allie Starr, who is my business partner, mm -hmm. she runs her own company called Tashi Delay, which mm -hmm. means something in Tibetan that okay. is long, something about seeing the greatness in others. Okay. Um, and she's amazing, and she comes from the world of servant leadership, and so the two of us are really, we complement each other really well. And we put people into, um, <laughs> it's like development on steroids. It's really, really uncomfortable for two days, we put people through lots of different experiences that have them being really uncomfortable mm -hmm. for the purpose of transforming or changing their mindset, right? Changing it, not just like, oh, that was neat. I went to a two-day thing and I learned a thing. Mm -hmm. This is like they leave and they go out into the world and now the world looks a little different to them because of what happened during those two days. Mm -hmm. Through, um, like, so basically, through metaphor, mm. right? Like metaphor of, of the challenge. Kind of. Kind of highlights their insight to something grander. We actually like make them, not like literally make them sweat, but like we do things that make them really uncomfortable. One example that I love to start with is we'll have a group of, we cap it at 15, so it's really intimate. Mm -hmm. And we get in a circle and we set the guidelines, set the ground rules, right, for what is gonna happen in the next two days. Um, we build that psychological safety very quickly. And then um, I put the question on the board. I'm like, okay, we're gonna answer this question, ready, go. And the question, and we're gonna go around and everybody has to answer it, what I don't want you to know about me is. Mm. Like what an awful thing to mm. ask a group of strangers. <laughs> right. And I always, like I liken it to um, getting naked in front of each other and then jumping rope. Mm -hmm. Like what a terrible thing. They don't know each other and you just, you want me to like expose myself right. and like my terrible thing that I don't want you to know about me. Yeah. So. So that's part of your book, right? Uh, the probably. psychological safety? Psychological, well that's part, yeah. That's, psychological safety is a thing. Okay, that's, I think it's right away in the first chapter probably. because I remember thinking to myself, like I feel like it would start with like one or two people being kind of safe yeah. and then a third person just being like, um, like my dad abused me and like my cousin like uh, like sexually molested me or something and then everyone's like oh like we're I guess go, we're, we're gonna going go, there I guess we're right? doing that and then I'm an alcoholic yeah. right and then right. like it just keeps going around right and everybody plays yeah yeah that's cool mm -hmm. so then you get there's a, there's some sort of challenge associated to like later on like once you get to know each other so better then one one of the things that we invite people to do is we call it the arena from Brene Brown because she always talks about 
Roosevelt's quote about it doesn't matter. The people in the stands don't matter. It's the man in the in the ring. Hmm. It's the man in the arena that's whose blood, sweat, and tears knows that he's dared greatly. I don't know if you ever heard that mm-hmm. quote. I'm totally butchering it. Mm-hmm. Stop talking about the quote. <laughs> Anyways, so we have this thing that we call the arena yeah. where um, – so we'll have everybody do an exercise that's pretty edgy and, mm-hmm. and you know makes people sweat a little bit. And then we'll say, okay, who wants to go into the arena? And so there's like a seat in the middle of the circle. Mm-hmm. And they go into the arena, and then it's like, all right, here we go. We're going to start to ask you really deep questions, mm-hmm. powerful questions, and we're going to dig into that thing, and we're going to keep digging until mm-hmm. we get to the root. Does everyone does everyone have to do it? No. Oh, okay. And they don't know how long it's going to last, mm-hmm. and they don't know if there's going to be one. Does someone save them from the arena nope. by jumping in? or how? The agreement that we make at the very beginning on the first day is that we honor everybody's ability in that room to ask for what they need. Okay. So if the if the person in the arena is getting like really upset or emotionally intense, you can ask like, are you like? I don't. Do you want to stop? Nope. They uh, are big boys them. and girls in that group, and if they right. need a break, they can ask for it. Okay. They need a box of Kleenex, they can ask for it. They need a hug, they can ask for it. Mm-hmm. There will be no patting on the shoulders. There'll be no saving them. Yeah. There'll be no rescuing. Okay. It's like we're gonna let them do the thing. Yeah. And what's beautiful is like we rescue and save and fix because we're uncomfortable. So when somebody is in the middle of the circle and they're crying, we're all on the outside like, please let me fix it, please let me help, because we're uncomfortable. Right. So it's a beautiful experience for the person in the middle to be like showcasing and putting it all out there in front of everybody to Mm -hmm. see and to be seen, Mm -hmm. and then for everybody in the circle to be in this like, this is really uncomfortable. Yeah. And just sitting in it. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. Right. Deal with it. Beneficial for everybody in that way. Yes. Even the people who don't go into the arena. Yeah. Um, by the way, almost everybody goes in the arena. Mm-hmm. I almost bet. Almost everybody every time. Yeah. Yeah. Who signs up? Like people, what type of people? Um, people is it usually that, people in leadership? Is it some yeah. people who want to be in leadership? Like what is the... Both. It's people that want to do that work. There's not a lot of people that are ready to feel those kind of feels. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of people that are ready to see that about themselves. There's not a lot of people that want others to see them in that way. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's not a lot of people in this world that are hungry for that work, but the people that are find us. And then they come to these intensives and they tell others. And so now we have like a really core group of people that are like, whatever you're doing, we are in. Just tell us when the next date is. Wow. Yeah. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. Do you do the rock climbing stuff in that same no, retreat? No, so that, that's different. I just started that Friday, okay. just this oh, last Friday. Okay. So they were my guinea pigs. They were my pilot group. Cool. Um, unbelievable. So I want to, I want to do that too. I want to take people rock climbing because mm-hmm. it stresses the nervous system just like an intensive does, mm-hmm. just in a different way, outside and in nature. And was that your first time climbing? No, um, it was my third time. Third, okay. Yeah. So I, it's not like I'm an expert and right. I'm terrified. It, I, a lot of stuff comes up for me too. Yeah, can you explain what that what you mean by that? Um, yes. So, what I noticed in rock climbing is that it hits on the physical because it's difficult, physically difficult to to climb. Mm-hmm. You have to have some strength and you have to have some flexibility. Um, mentally, you have to be able to like figure out how to do all the things and find your place. You have to think while you're doing it because you can't hold on forever. So you have to keep planning your next move. So it's like solving puzzles, which Mm -hmm. mentally is really satisfying and also really hard. And then emotionally, it's terrifying because if you fall, you get hurt. Mm -hmm. And even though you're on a harness and hooked to a rope, your brain is still saying, 
You know, when you jump off, when you yeah. do bungee jumping, your yeah. brain's like, don't do that. Don't hurt yourself. <laughs> you're on a bungee, like you're not going to die, and yet your right. brain's like, that's a bad idea. Right. And so you're fighting your amygdala the whole time. Mm-hmm. So it stresses your, your nervous system. Yeah. So you can't like, it's like you can't hide your stuff anymore. Yeah. And F- like, it forces fight or flight, and there's no, <sighs> does it force fl- fight or flight? Because you can't flight. But you can, I guess. That's like, that would be the, like you said, a client had had climbed and she just reached this point. She couldn't. And it coincided <laughs> with, with a big change in her life. Yeah. Um, yeah. What is that? Is that fight or flight? It's just it's, a sticky point. I don't, I'm not, sh- I don't think it's a, it's, it's like, like a trauma. A, it's the things in, for her, it was like what came to the surface. She's living in this really angry space right now mm-hmm. because she's feeling really betrayed. And so, of course, that would show up when mm-hmm. you're like in a space where you're like, you're so frustrated because all I need to do is put my foot here. And if I could just do that, then I could get my hand there and then I could get up to the next step. Yeah. And she couldn't do it. It's and crazy. it's like that thinking of like, if I could just. If yeah. It's such a like, it's like a matrix of emotion. Yeah. Like, and you can't tamp it down no. because there's nothing left. There's no other coping left. So now it's going to come out, mm-hmm. whatever that is. Like it's coming out. Like yeah. I watched my 16 year old son try over and over. He must have tried 10 times to get this one, get over this one spot. And he knows he's not supposed to like use foul, like really foul language in front of me. And he was. Oh, it was like, yeah. I was like, damn, that's, yeah. those are some pretty tough words there yeah like over and over again and it was just like he had to learn there was something going on in there like he had stressed his system so now this is how he's coping with it mm-hmm. it comes up did you did you get him to talk about it or did the, he? the guy talked to him about that okay you know like what is that like the the reflection that i had this last time that i had never had with the previous guides was um he's like I was climbing and I was breathing really hard and I was holding on really tight. And so there's all this tension, all that like physical and, and I was, you know, that's how I am. Mm -hmm. I'm bull in China shop. Everything I do, I muscle everything. Mm -hmm. It's been my whole life. It's how I started my business, right? It's like, it's everything. Mm -hmm. And he just said, he's like, what if you were just graceful? (laughs) Did it work? (laughs) Yeah. So the rest of that day I climbed calm and graceful. Mm-hmm. And if I'm climbing like that, that's a totally different way of being. Right. And so now, interestingly, like, I'm a little different at home. Yeah. Because I didn't know I could do graceful. I just am bow in China shop. What do you mean do graceful? So interesting, like that. Right. So now back, and this is to what we were talking about before when yeah. we were trying to figure out the setup and stuff. I was saying that's almost like in the first chapter you talk about helping people find great insights about um, what is that tug of war rope that you're pulling on and then like I asked you well how do you get people to take those insights that they find about themselves and then apply it Um, so I guess this is about about you so like now that graceful thing like how do you think you're able do you think you'll be do you think you'll apply it or do you think it's something that you'll you'll have to try out like what what do you I think there has to be deliberate practice mm-hmm. around it. So I'm going to continue climbing. So anybody that wants to go climbing in the Dells or in Devil's Lake, mm-hmm. let me know because I'm going back. I've already got my next group going. So I'm going to keep doing that, and that's going to keep, um, you know, sealing that information in my in my brain. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. I know writing and talking about it for me really helps me like lodge it in my unconscious brain so it's always working in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, if it were a big like earth-shattering insight, typically that's all it takes right. and I'm done. This right. was kind of like one of those like what if you were to just kind of round off your edges a little bit? What would that be like? Right. And it was pretty big. That's cool. Yeah. I like the like learning about the subconscious and like mm-hmm. cuz it really is you really like that's where it's all happening yeah in your because and like that's like so people come down to the autopilot it's like we live so much of our life and that's the pattern that's the easy thing that we learn how to do in that path our that we talked about really efficient and like but that's your unconscious all those patterns live in your unconscious because you don't think about them anymore right right so that's like the definition of unconscious so really like if you can and I really, I really feel like even just me being on my path, um, with with my business and stuff, that it really all it comes down to is training the subconscious. Like you decide, you're supposed to consciously say, <laughs> express, writing, talking, yep. recording, and listening, whatever works for you. Yep. Video, mm-hmm. diary to yourself. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, you decide directions you want to go how you want to handle things differently, blah, blah, blah. And like really, and yeah, you start heading that way. And then that's when you run into the bumps on the road because you're headed down a new trail. And like, that's that emotional matrix. And that's when you need to start being like, how can I smooth this bump? (laughs) How can I smooth? Yeah. I don't, it's, it's, that's cool to me. And I think it's cool that you live in this world, Mm -hmm. uh, like that world, the subconscious and, and helping other people discover it. And, uh, I, I think I'm going to read the rest of this book and I'd love to join one of your retreats at some point rock climbing well, Come on. So, at some point yeah they're both awful and wonderful at <laughs> yeah. the same time yeah i'll have to yeah. um have you ever talked to steve jones the football coach have you ever heard of him mm-hmm. oh he's big on servant leadership the kimberly football program is like they had like their 70 game win streak and okay. like uh five state titles in a row and yeah. it all comes and obviously you're both coaches and like he would um, I would love to meet him. Yeah, I don't know. You should have him. Like, you, you. I'll, I'll try and tell, or I'll just send him a text. I'll tell him about your, um, your intensives, because he might know Allie. You two should connect. Okay, that would be really cool. Awesome. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna rewatch this and, <laughs> I like this this whole podcast. I mean, this is episode 18, Griff, right? 18. Like for me, this is like a journey of learning how to communicate better and hopefully doing so in a way that um, lets people know about cool people in the community that they should know about. And so what I'm trying to say is we'll have to have you back on sometime and and there'll be less lost trains of thought. And we <laughs> oh gosh, it's part of your charm. Oh. Don't oh, change, don't okay. change. <laughs> well, you can only get better, right? <laughs> um, I appreciate that though. Thank you, and thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for having and, me. And yeah, thank you guys for watching. This is the But Why Not show, bringing you guys uh, hopefully good conversation around great people in Northeast Wisconsin. Allison Garner, her book, Think Possible, Um, I'm two chapters in. I'm a super slow reader. Check it out and uh, join us the next couple weeks. We got some cool people. Um, 
like I said, Lights for Liberty next week. Um, that's going to be interesting, an interesting political yeah. dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we got musical guests after that, comedy guests after that, and that's another one of my goals is really I'm passionate about those two art forms in particular. And yeah. so, yeah, thank you guys. Do you have any questions? Oh, yeah. Oh, question of the day. I did pitch that to you. Yeah. You did. Did you come up with anything? Yeah. Oh, I can totally come up with something on this one. Okay. Yeah. Should I do the one that I did at Young Entrepreneurs? Okay. I'm going to do that one. Okay. Um, What's a conversation that you know you need to have but you're avoiding? Mm. And we'll put that in the comments. And we'll put it in the yeah. caption just because we forgot to say it at the no beginning. Worries. That's yeah. a great one. Yeah. Um, what's a conversation nope. that you're not having yeah. that you know you need to have? Mm-hmm. That's great. There's probably a few. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Thanks, Allison. All right, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Allison Garner. Just a couple updates. Uh, the But Why Not Lie... Po- the But Why Not podcast, we're no longer, I'm no longer limiting myself to conversations with people f- with a connection in Northeast Wisconsin. Uh, I'm branching out to explore broader interests. Um, since we did the first about 60 episodes of the live show, um, we've really, I've personally started to expand my horizons my wife and I moved to the Madison area, still running Venture Wisconsin in Northeast Wisconsin as of August 26, 2021, with plans to expand. And I'm going to be taking this podcast a more personal route based on my interests. And um, I think that's the right move. So hopefully you stick with me and enjoy seeing where this all goes. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.